in episode 174 of Friend the Film. We read the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is Detective Pikachu. As always, I'm your host, Cooper, and once again joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everybody. Hello, Cooper. Hello. Um, listen, just, this is just Game of Thrones at the start because I feel like it's the cinematic experience that we're all like seeing and listening and watching week to week now. Basically. So apologies if like Game of Thrones spoilers ahead. Right. I mean, not for last night's episode. This is a week ago at this point. But yes, <laughs> the last of the Starks. Yes. Um, what did you think? We're careening towards the epic clash between Danny and Cersei. Is it going too fast? Is it? It's still as epic as possible. How are you feeling? It it is moving very quickly, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm I'm okay with. I understand we have to get we have to resolve all these plot lines at a certain point. Yes. Um, John's f- possible farewell from Winterfell felt a little like one of those like that felt very quick, and like the whole like him telling Sansa and Arya about his true mm-hmm. heritage is like one of those like how did we not see that? Right, the cutaway. But like inexplicable for the most part. Like I thought it was. A, pretty good episode uh and i mean i'm looking forward to seeing where we're heading because i didn't anticipate seeing the second dragon go down and i was like oh that was a surprise i know you're like he's high soaring Rhaegal is up there and you're, you're feeling so much better to see both him and drogon out in the air right? and the happy and then all of a sudden um the guy yeah uh not theon urine urine yeah yeah um, just like skewers him and just like broke my heart like seeing yeah. him go down but they kept saying like they're like did you kill the dragon? Yep. Saw him go in the ocean. He's dead. And I'm like, that's either oh, he's definitely- confirmation he's, or it's yeah, like setting us up be. for Rhaegal to like be resurrected and then Ugh. fly through. I sure hope that's not the case. <laughs> that, would, that, would seem, that would seem super cheap. And just be like, surprise, just for like the sake of it. I'm like, that doesn't seem organic. <laughs> right. Especially if like John's not there. Right. That's the only good thing. John wasn't writing him. Thank goodness. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ooh, it's a good thing they did split. But yeah, it's... It's, it's moving fast, but like that look on Danny's face, like kind of like like Missandra or um, Melisandre, Melisandre, Missandry, 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 yes. getting executed at the end. Yeah, that was tough. That was tough. It I didn't killed really like me. That. I didn't like the choice, but and I felt like Cersei should have been the one to push her anyway. Yeah, like the whole the whole thing just felt weird. It's like I, will, I don't do this, but if you're doing this, shouldn't I go? okay? Anyway, and it's like, why aren't you just like killing them all right there? Like they're all there. The dragon's there. That's her mo. Like, you just do it. It just felt way too, like, winky and cheeky for Game of Thrones. Yeah. But anyway, the look on Danny's face makes me, like, totally stoked for this week's, this last week. night's episode. Yes. I can't wait to see it. Exactly. Me too. Um, because normally Game of Thrones, the penultimate episode of the season is the, oh my gosh, what just happened. Episode and, 9 or 7 yeah, or Right. And now five. it's episode 5. And so if... Uh, <laughs> They're storming King's Landing, and I'm assuming there's going to be some surprises on the way. So can't Absolutely. wait to see what happens. Um, but like, you can follow like all of our reactions to Game of Thrones on Twitter. But if you're looking for our reactions and the news and what we're following in movie land, like real cinematic from the films, <laughs> um, you can find those on Twitter at Friends and Film. You can find our episodes and our reviews of those same movies on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify and stitcher but if you can on apple podcasts please rate and review us that'll help rank us and then help us find more friends of the show that's right now other than game of thrones other than detective pikachu which we are going to review here in a second josh did you have time to watch anything else this week no all right i want to keep bringing game of thrones up. <laughs> I'm, I... I'm in the middle of a rewatch so you're rewatching and watching the new season yes and okay. it's, it's actually immensely satisfying in my defense and this will be the last week because i'm on episode i'm in season seven now uh-huh. so like i'm right up at the end you're, you're going right through yeah i've 
tore through it at breakneck speeds. It does let you see these like callbacks and like feel everything out mm-hmm. and see where they're closing those loops. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ashamedly, no, I have been slacking on the other film front. I didn't uh, even watch a minute of the other movie that I said I watched, <laughs> Extremely Wicked and Shockingly you're still at, You're still at minute five? <laughs> I'm still, I think I'm in like minute six now. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I didn't get a chance to watch anything new this week either. I saw Avengers Endgame again uh, for the fourth time, this time in IMAX 3D. Uh, great experience. Uh, there were a couple of kids in the crowd and they were like, you know, pretty psyched at one point uh-huh. uh, near the end there. So that was kind of fun to see their reactions. And uh, but other than that, I rewatched Red Sparrow. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Francis Lawrence, spy thriller. Better or worse? I think I liked it a little more the second time, but it was one of those movies I'm like watching like in chunks, like at night or something. Uh-huh. So I'm not like breezing, like I'm not going through the full like two hour, 20 minute runtime. Um, but like, I was, so I was like, I went back and I looked at like the review I have that's on friendsandfilm.wordpress.com if you guys want to read it for any reason. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I think I still pretty much feel the same way. Other than that, I think maybe I discredited Jennifer Lawrence's performance uh, and the and her chemistry with Joel Edgerton a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that pulls through a little better for me on the second uh, viewing, but uh, it's still the, the plot is still just a little like too all over the place. Uh, you were saying that movie's two hours and 20 minutes long. I like, think that's makes, what it is. Yeah, that makes me like feel all the feelings that I felt for that <laughs> where it just... It's just it's it's whiplash it's whiplashy, but also it's completely unclear at the same time. Yeah, in like a slow way, like we're going this way. Nope, nope, we're going back this way. Then we're going this way. It's like it just winds through, and then ultimately you get to the end, and you're like, oh, so that Russian guy's gonna be shot and killed. Yeah, it really relies on the whole. All right, here's the movie, but you probably don't understand what happened. So let's show you everything that she did to set up this ultimate reveal. And it's mm-hmm. like, eh, didn't really land. Right, but. I think it's still I think it's still a solid watch, but uh, Detective Pikachu is out in theaters right now. The first live action Pokemon movie that we've ever seen in our lives. The first Pokemon movie I've ever seen in my entire life, animated or live action, I believe. Um, and I'm going into this one as somebody who's never really played a Pokemon video game, which is insane. Any sorts. I think I've watched a couple episodes of like the TV show as a kid or something, uh, just like you know Saturday morning cartoons. But for the most part, I am not in the Pokemon bubble. Um, really at all i i know certain characters um but other than that i it is not my my not my zone of uh, expertise and uh so in a lot of ways this is a movie that i felt like was not made for me <laughs> but okay. with that being said i still found pretty enjoyable uh it, it's a lot of fun there it is very funny and thanks a lot uh to ryan reynolds and the comedy that he brings and i think he does just enough to differentiate Pikachu's voice from Deadpool's voice, even though they sound pretty much the same, mm-hmm. the jokes aren't obviously as uh, as crude as they are in Deadpool, um, which I liked in that Reynolds was still able to bring his comedic sensibilities to this role. And uh, But I, do, I still do think that this is a movie that's ultimately made for fans who have played Pokemon for the last 20 years and have been like, who are just like a wealth of knowledge on everything that's happening because in a lot of ways there's these shots of just you were entering Rhyme City and you just see Pokemon running everywhere and you're like, all right, I, that one, okay, is that the same one? Like, and I, I don't understand it. It, was, it felt, it kind of reminded me of my first time watching a, like Fantastic Beasts because mm-hmm. I'd never seen a Harry Potter movie at that point. And I was like, a lot of this stuff is just whoosh right over my head. And I was like, this is probably how a lot of people feel like if you hadn't seen any Marvel movies, you wouldn't saw Avengers Endgame. There's just a lot of things you're not understanding. So yeah, I don't think that's a, like a problem with the movie in a sense where I think it still does enough 
of it uh, of its job of setting up and establishing what the world is. That still, for me, somebody who's not you know part of this world can understand and like the rules, the guidelines, um, the characters uh, for the most part. Uh, even though I think the human characters are pretty lacking in the film. Not nothing against Justice Smith or Catherine Newton, who I think do a f- fine job with what they're asked to do. Even though I think Catherine Newton's entrance in the movie she comes on a little too like over the top like hey i'm here let me do this like weird little like you know noir monologue here right um okay but i think she settles into the role and like you know they're fine but it's, it's really like the it's pikachu's movie and it's, he's the one who really drives us through in a lot of ways and um for that i was uh enjoying what pikachu detective pikachu was offering um even the story i think's a little too busy as well like there's a lot going on to get from point a to point you know, Z at the end of the film, ultra plotty, uh, which I was su- very much surprised by from a PG detective Pikachu movie. I thought mm-hmm. it'd be like, all right, here's, here's the general mystery. And then it's going to be like two mysteries. And then like, we're right. at the conclusion. So it was like, all right, here's several, here's like 18 different steps you have to go through to get to the ultimate resolution, which I was like, I feel like you could have really cleaned this up a little bit. Maybe that's just the product of having like six credited screenwriters on this film where there's a lot of hands in here, a lot of visions and, uh, this is what you get, I think, when you have something like that for the most part. Um, but the good thing is that the Pokemon world that is established here is phenomenal. And it really is engrossing. The Pokemon all look great in their live-action settings. Um, I mean, all of them just have so distinctly different looks that make them just like, okay, I, I, I understand what that one is. The one thing I don't understand, and again, this is just me not uh-huh. the problem with the movie is I don't understand really what they all can do. You get a little bit of background on Pikachu's power set and then like two others. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I'm like, I don't know what this monkey thing with a paw, what sets that thing apart? What's up with the big tongue looking one? Uh, like, I don't understand what these things can do for the most part, but overall it's a really solid start. I think for a potential franchise, which I believe we are likely to get with the Pokemon. So I enjoy my time with it. I think I could recommend it to anybody who's just looking for a family friendly, um, comedic adventure um but if you're a pokemon enthusiast you've probably already seen this movie already so uh if you want any more of my thoughts you can find those on friendsfilm.wordpress.com or have a full written review written um but i'm gonna give it three and a half ticket stubs out of five josh what yeah. did you think I, of detective pikachu I think, I think you surmised it really well when you talk when you talked about how there's the heart of this story fall is with justice smith's character tim and tim yes, yes. okay and we don't get that from the story and everything is just literally get out of the way we have pokemon and let's show them to the world right it's like a really it's like a showcase and like rhyme city is the perfect like analogy for this it's like humans and pokemon together living in harmony for the first time and that's what this story is and it just rushes headlong into that and those 19 plot points that you talk about just take us all over the city showing us like here's all these ways pokemon can be in our like life and that's cool i like it it was fun it's nostalgic um the pokemon are surprisingly like warm-blooded and like you want to hug and hold right. all of them like you, you want to give psyduck a massage <laughs> when he needs one exactly you just oh he he, he is Perhaps he, he was the great. best part of this entire thing. Like, there are so many Pokemon-specific gags that, like, were you able to get most of them? Uh, I mean, that, that's you my had, question You may have to point you. out what specific ones you'd be alluding to, or otherwise, I mean, like... I mean, just any of them. Like, I mean, um, Mr. Mime's, like, I, entire I thought thing, mi- which I thought Mr. Form. I think Mr. Mime was, inc- like, maybe the scene stealer of the whole thing. Like, uh-huh. that sequence was 
uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, it was almost, and everything just feels like it was building up to that. To be like, wouldn't it be funny if they had to interrogate a Pokemon who couldn't talk? Right. You know, and like they they wrote the Pokemon into the script, and then they wrote the words and the story around that. Mm-hmm. And, but it also somewhat follows the plot of Detective Pikachu, the video game as well, in some small ways. But that part is enjoyable, it's nostalgic, and it makes you want to go there and like live with all of them. And it takes some also some elements that are kind of funny and cool, like Pokemon Fight Club is like the training battles right. it's underground. It gives it these like austere, um, very like you kind of said like look like, um I don't know, like undercover dark vibes amidst just kind of a rather buoyant film right. in a lot of ways. Um, it, but the story itself, though, is not charged at all. It, it's only an hour and 40 minutes, which is great runtime for me. Mm-hmm. But you don't feel – it just feels, like you said, just like it's like, oh, we're doing this, now we're doing this, now we're doing that, now we're doing that. And there's no, there's no drive through yeah. the story other than Pikachu's cute, so let's just go follow him around. Right. You're mesmerized and hypnotized by it. and But when you get to the end, you're like, okay, let's well, yeah, you know, like didn't hate anything. Pokemon look great, but they can do better. And I know, yeah. I, 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 that, that's what I felt at the end. They could have done better with 150 million dollar movies. You'd mentioned the multiple scriptwriters. That I think that definitely points the way. It gets it, some serious questions get raised about Pokemon human consciousness at <laughs> yes, the end, it does. <laughs> um, which we can jump to in a second. But like overall, it's just kind of like this is this is really hammy. But it's cute, and I think that was the part that I loved a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to give it three out of five ticket stubs. Okay. Um, Justice Smith, I thought, did fine. Like he, he's a he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. He just didn't have anything to do. Right. Like there's like one emotional monologue or like sequence he gets with Pikachu in like the middle parts of the movie, which mm-hmm. I was like, all right, that's like that's pretty good. But for the most part, he's just kind of. Um, uh, I was gonna say he's like a blank slate but that's not that i think that's a little too harsh like he, he, he i think he does as much as he really can and really needs to for the film but he's just not required or even asked to do a lot which um i think hurts his character in a lot of ways but uh let's just jump into spoilers so we can talk Please. about detective pikachu and all of its pokemon glory um as somebody who has played the games in some sense um is it was, what was your moment of like okay like they they nailed what a pokemon live action movie needed to be there's there's a well okay yeah I would say I think I think it actually came like right at the introduction like the the grand wide of Rhyme City mm-hmm. and just watching all of these Pokemon in there like in like a human like the whole point of Pokemon to me has always been like they're your friends you get to go be with them and and when you saw those relationships play out just like everywhere on the street or in the bars or like in like clubs or like in all those places they take you you know and that's kind of where I'm like that feels like Pokemon where it's just like they're your friends they're there to help you with your day and things like that and it's like sort of like a symbiosis mm-hmm. and like that's where it felt it but <clears throat> I felt like a certain majesty when they encounter the Bulbazar herd um, yeah. out there and the, which are the Pokemon that are I think just most stunningly real in a lot of ways. It just sort of like it felt like a creature yeah. that you could, you know, pick up and take back. Not that Pikachu didn't already, but there's something about the, those, the eyes and like, I don't know, all of that. <laughs> it's just like, I'm like, oh, this is, this is sort of like, like um, Jurassic Park. They're like, they're moving in herds. They right. do move in herds. Like that was the moment where I was like, this is really 
sweet Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways because it's kind of vibing through a bunch of different like genres at that point but then here you're they're like pokemon in their natural habitat oh and i was like (laughs) that's that's cool i i enjoyed that a ton like i really think they got that right um but it's just like everything else was sort of like i'd rather i would rather have watched a planet earth pokemon movie in the theater than this detective pikachu story okay if that makes any sense. Like, here are the Bulbasaur just hopping along. Like, soon they'll begin to sprout and grow. and Narrated become... by Morgan Freeman. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Uh, even Will Smith, like Will Smith has his own now. It's like, <laughs> we can jump him in there, too. So that's that's where I loved it. Everything else was just sort of like when the um, the ninja Pokemon, like, show them on scene. And, like, all of those, like, crime aspects. Uh-huh. It's like, I don't need any of these. I don't need the science-y stuff. Like, Pokemon, it just felt it should have like, been a more grander vision i mean it was a grand vision Mm -hmm. it gets big and blows up the heights that you wouldn't really think it would have happened (laughs) stemming from a car crash that sets everything off you know but yeah it that that was the moment for me where i I felt pokemon i really liked the even though i i I think the movie is much better once pikachu is actually involved and like he's kind of becomes the central character of the film I did really like the opening sequence with Tim and uh, his buddy, played by Dopender from <laughs> Deadpool, which I was like, oh, is he like part of this movie? And then like he's gone after two minutes. I was like, oh, that's kind of sad. Um, but I liked them trying to like catch Tim, his own Pokemon. Just cause I, like, I thought that was like a fun little scene of like, oh, here's like some wild Pokemon. You mm-hmm. need to catch one. You got to get like your companion, you get your pet. Um, and just like that, like their explanation of like, yeah, they have to choose you too. So you can't just like take any of them that you want and uh so i liked that little sequence and like maybe that's laying seeds for future films like show like people actually becoming pokemon trainers and catching them and like that like i'd be interested to see that story and like see somebody like a red or an ash ketchum or somebody like start off and find a pokemon then rise up and like become like a pokemon trainer champion or whatever uh the top crown is but um i i, I like i said before i think the mime uh, Pokemon, I don't know his name, but Mr. Mime. I, th- I literally think it's Mr. Mime. Um, I really should. I, th- I think I think that is. I think that's right. Um, but yeah, Mr. Mime. He, I thought that whole sequence was just great because Pikachu's there doing his like his like going. All right, like uh, I push people away because uh, <laughs> and then I resent <laughs> right. them afterwards. And I uh, like he's trying to do like his own thing, but then mm-hmm. Tim's able to figure out. Okay. I'm just going to go into his world. And then like Mr. I'm like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> You're in my invisible house. What's happening. And uh, like they light it on fire on accident. And like, there are just a lot of great like comedic beats to that. Mm-hmm. And I wish that all of the other plot points that we get after that had that same vibe. Like we go from there to the underground training or underground fights. Mm-hmm. And we get to see like those ones that are like, are basically boom boxes, <laughs> which I was like, okay, that's like an interesting Pokemon. Uh, and then uh, Charizard, but like you don't really get to s- see anything else beyond that yeah you the the, the that that mr mime scene you're talking about like lets the pokemon like world fall away and you're just like oh you're dealing with a mind like it, yeah. it literally just falls apart there and melts away and does that physical comedy or then they're physical right. you know in quotes because it's not over it's all fake <laughs> and so yeah and then and then it gets into like you said like it just shuffles into now it's grim Pokemon time. Mm-hmm. And like, um, aside from Psyduck and I don't know, maybe j- j- like these like small, like blink and you miss them gags. Like uh, the one like from the trailer, like the Jiggy the mm-hmm. one is still funny as hell. Yeah. Cause, Cause like you're a beautiful voice, but then like she's putting everybody <laughs> to sleep and she's like, like, there's like a little bit of frustration, yeah. but like anger. And then at the same time. And so like 
those things those things are cool and funny but the movie's not like they're just blips they're like ah there's no letting you sit mm-hmm. in that moment and that's oh, that was disappointing i think yeah and it's like uh, like as i said earlier i just wish i had a better understanding and this is on me i think more than the movie i think, I think maybe we could have done a little bit better of a job explaining some of the powers but like i, I would have known like like can Sharzar like survive like that amount of being underwater i don't know i feel like probably not or that damage him in some ways um or like i don't know i just felt like there was chances for them to better explain what like why are those monkeys so dangerous like understand that they have the r serum or whatever so that's like making them more chaotic but like is there something specifically about those giant monkeys like the monkeys with hands for their tails like is there something specifically about them that makes them bigger threat than say like a squirtle or something like I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what Mankey are those Mankeys? Or I think those are Mankeys. Um Maybe they there's like fighting Pokemon, I think. Okay. They just beat you up. Oh, okay. Well that would work, I guess. Well like again, I just don't really understand what each individual Pokemon's power set is, so it's like I'm not totally sure what they all can do. Like I understood yeah. by the end that like the one that like is like buries itself underground and becomes part of the terrain. Mm-hmm. I understood that because like they set it up with the smaller ones. The only question I had was like, how did those giant ones get there and become like form like such a giant part of like the overall landscape? I feel like that'd be something that'd be very noticeable. It's so, like, have they been around forever? I feel like that wasn't implied because they're doing like growth experimentation on them. Uh-huh. But then nobody notices one day that like a brand new valley just like opened up near rhyme city. I don't know. It's just like some weird logistical questions. I don't think are super important, um, but I would have liked maybe a little more clarity on them. Mm-hmm. Unfair. There's, Oh, there's a great magic carp Gav. Did you, were you able to get that? What? The um, magic carp. Oh, the, when Did, he, when he kicks it. And, yeah. Yeah. I didn't really understand what was happening there at all. Not really. Like, I got to say like the, that little fish became the giant eel thing. Yeah. The Gyarados. But, I didn't like. I was like, "Is that how they evolve normally?" It, it, yes. Okay. From what I understand, it's the most useless Pokemon. And then, like, if you if you kick take it. time and dedicate like to like leveling it up somehow, some way, it becomes a Gyarados, which okay. is like one of the hardest fish power water Pokemon. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like that that was that was that was funny to me, but like you didn't get it. No, like I thought it was funny when the g- small fish became a giant thing. Mm-hmm. But like I was like, but in my head at that moment, I was like. So, like, this fish just transforms whenever somebody kicks it? Okay, yeah. So, hmm. there you go. Okay. That's, so, that is some loss. Like, I'm not, I'm not, sure. I'm not totally sure what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. It, it, that's exactly, you've, yeah, you're missing the point there. So, like, yeah, that's, the, yeah, okay. We're good. I'm glad that you hadn't seen this then. <laughs> um, launching the spoilers here. We are in spoilers. We are already. in spoilers. Well, let's talk about, like, the, the big buildup. Mewtwo, oh, Mewtwo's not a spoiler. No, which I was very surprised by because I felt like when the second trailer dropped and they like Mewtwo was the big reveal at the end, mm-hmm. everyone's like, "Oh, spoiler! Mewtwo's this movie," and then like Mewtwo's like the f- one of the first things you see. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, "Oh, like okay, clearly he's not a spoiler." <laughs> but like the whole point of this movie, and guess basically like the entire—I um, don't even remember the corporation. That's uh, the well. So there's like C N M, which is like the Clifford Media network or whatever this is like g r e w and then there's like the clifford like scientific research facility thing which i don't know what the name of that was yeah it's kind of like it's there's an acronym it's like it's g r n n or something like that sure maybe okay whatever the case is or like fusing human and pokemon 
to that's get what there. they want to get that's to, what yeah. they want to get to and weirdly enough our main man our main pikachu uh-huh. is a fused together human pokemon consciousness hybrid Am I saying that right? You are. This is a total surprise to you? This was a total surprise to me. I literally caught no hints that this was happening. Then I'm like, that was so... Because it was... A, Pikachu is Tim's long-lost estranged father. Yes. <laughs> Essentially. It, and as soon as that was revealed, I'm like, well, that's why he has the hat. That's why like all of these things are all of these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is so dumb. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, that's how we've, okay. Right. So I, 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 there was a point earlier in the movie where the older Clifford guy was mm-hmm. like, oh, like I'm disabled and now I'm, go- I'm trying to figure out how to ev- like evolve humanity to its next step. And I was like, yes. See how about like fusing the like, humanity with Pokemon or something? Like mm-hmm. that's just like, I was like, yeah, I feel like that's where you'd go, I guess, in this world. And sure enough, that's where he went. And then, like, just at some point, like, my head just clicked off, like, so wait, so Tim can speak to Pikachu. Pikachu is with Tim's dad when Tim's dad was, like, killed. Right. Um, but then they didn't find Pikachu there, but they said they found Pikachu's dad. I, I, and, I was like, and he's the only, like, and then, like, Catherine Newton's character is like, I've never seen a Pikachu wear a hat before. And I was like, good point. Catherine Newton. That does seem very strange to me. Maybe it's because he's actually his father. And sure enough, that was the case. And I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, okay. So that's interesting. And I figured it was like from the games or something, but it, I guess it's not. Yeah, and it's a whole thing. So the the weird thing for me, like I, I thought that was an interesting way to do this and have Tim and Pikachu have this one-of-a-kind connection where they can understand each other. But the the first question is just like a, like a weird one, which I think you can kind of gloss over as like oh they haven't seen each other forever tim doesn't know what his dad sounds like (laughs) Like, i I guess not because when ryan reynolds like becomes like back into the human form of Mm -hmm. harry goodman he looks and sounds just like ryan reynolds and pikachu sounds just like him so i was like okay i feel like i feel like you don't like remember what your dad sounds like to a certain degree but maybe maybe not i don't know if it's been 10 years i guess maybe you could forget um but the other thing for me i just like I was cool with that if they were going to do something interesting with it. And instead, they were just like, nope, let's just take it all away (laughs) and go back to a state where now it's Tim, Harry, and now Pikachu with no – he can't talk anymore. Uh I was like, that's dumb. Like, that's so dumb. It would have been – I would have found it funnier if you're like, you're my dad, Pikachu? Yes, I'm your father. (laughs) And then they're like, okay, do you want to go train Pokemon now? Yes. Like, I I figured it was going to be something where like – that like Harry would come back, but like he'd be like, no, but I actually want to stay. Pikachu or like, oh, if if like, cause uh, I can't remember if it's during the flashback sequence or like whatever, but like there's like a moment where Mewtwo is mentioning that like, oh, Pikachu gave his life to put your consciousness in him, and I was like, oh, does this mean that like Harry's body is gone for good, and that, like this is a permanent change unlike mm-hmm. everything else? I was like, that would be super fascinating if like. They have this reveal, and now it's just like, but this is how it is forever. And then, like, Harry's just like, well, like, well, Harry, I can take you out of Pikachu's body. That means Pikachu dies. It's one or the other, or you guys can stay together. And then he would make this, oh, I'll just stay Pikachu. I thought that would be cool and, like, logical way for the story to go instead of just being, nope, we're splitting them apart. And now yes. 
Tim and Pikachu don't have this connection anymore for future installments. <laughs> Human Ryan Reynolds is around now. And I'm just like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a lot gets like a lot like you said earlier, like a lot gets made about like evolving, whether it's Pokemon or people. Like yeah. just try like, like either trying to get healthy, trying to get better, or trying to become like a better version of yourself. And that's like Ryan Reynolds's like or like that's like his that's Pikachu's arc. That's um Harry's arc. He's yeah. like be a better dad, be a better person. And so by being Pikachu and then getting all of his memories back and all of that, like he's now evolved back into a no longer a deadbeat dad. Mm-hmm. He's just a dad now. Yeah. Or whatever the case is. He's gonna go hang out with Tim and do Pokemon stuff. Right. <laughs> and like so but like there's there's not it's 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 all just like jammed into a jar right there. That they're like Pop, oh, he's your dad the whole time, and now he's gonna try to make amends. And then, like, that's all. That, that that's mm-hmm. really it. And it just it's, it's sort of glib. It just felt it felt like a way for if this thing becomes a franchise, as Legendary's opening, uh, it will. That now we can have Pikachu in the movie, but we can also have Ron Reynolds' actual face, right, to boost box office or something. Yeah, it's his if if, if it's his next franchise. But then at the same time, but if that's the case, then like now you don't have like quippy pikachu which i liked Mm -hmm. so now we're just back to like and like that's fine like there's there's i mean how to train dragon great franchise where the animals don't talk you can definitely get that across here with pikachu where he just says pika pika and all the other pikachu just or all the other pokemon say their own names as well like you can get that emotion across still even if they're not actually speaking like english right but I, i liked having one pokemon that could do that and like set them apart and gave him and tim this unique connection that nobody else has that makes them special and now they're just as just as normal as anybody else yeah the, the whole plot just falls away like detective pikachu 2 that wouldn't really make much sense exactly and which so, is so strange <laughs> right and it feels like it's just gonna be like anthology or like this, this is like it's certainly like a test ground it is so weird that they chose this for it to be although it did look st- I mean, it is stunning and cool and like you said like it shows you Pokemon for the first time on screen in like ways that you would have liked mm-hmm. or at least couldn't have dreamed of because this was never a possibility. But then like once you realize they could have done this forever ago or not forever ago, but like technology wise, but right. You know, it's sort of like, oh, okay, well this seems like sort of like a build up to a waste. Uh, I mean, I don't, yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but um, yeah, it just felt like it felt like that the ending just kind of took all like, took the air out of the sails a little bit where For I was sure. like I was looking forward to where this movie was going overall but then also like okay but like, I can see where we can go from here from a franchise perspective too um, and I was excited about that and then this just like nope those possibilities are gone or we're going to have to backpedal tremendously <laughs> it's like you know what actually <laughs> we have to do this again but now uh, you know Harry Goodman's a one in man so we're going to put him back inside of Pikachu's body it's like why why why'd, why'd you do this at all like this doesn't make any sense um, you did mention that a sequel uh, is in development um, and that is being written by Oren Uziel the writer of 22 Jump Street who's also been hired to write like Supergirl and watch other scripts for Warner Brothers so mm-hmm. they obviously like this guy and again without Pikachu being able to talk without that connection between Tim and Pikachu with now Ryan Reynolds in his human form involved this plot is kind of confusing and, and as odd as it is, it does wrap up pretty tightly by the end. There's no dangling loose threads like, ooh, right. here's here's the thread for the sequel. There's no like Joker card at the end where you know they find like, all right, here's the tease uh-huh. for uh, 
some somebody named Ash is calling, and oh, okay, here we go. And are we gonna go meet Ash? Catch him in the second movie? Like we don't know anything. There's no real threads of where this could go. Um, so this is again, this is like wide open. We can do whatever we want. But like, where do like you mentioned, where do we go with Detective Pikachu if he's if Pikachu's <clears throat> not even really like that big of a detective anymore? Right. The evil corporation guy is taken down. The end. Booked. The gas that makes Pokemon crazy it's is gone, as far as we're believed. Right, so that, like that's knotted up. It's yeah. So it's all very like. And then the younger sustained. Clifford guy is like, "We're gonna fix everything." Catherine Newton gets a promotion mm-hmm. randomly. Uh, like everything else is like it's just like wipe your hands clean. Like this movie's done. This like all these plot lines are done. So like. Are we just are we gonna pick up with this franchise next if we do get a sequel, uh, which I assume we will, with just like and now it's just a new case. Tim's like interning with the police department or something, and like here here we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. It'll just sort of be like, what's the next adventure? And it's all just sort of not anthological, but it's episodic. Yeah. Where which I could see. I mean, maybe it's like, all right, well, we thought we got all of the mm-hmm. our substance you know, destroyed, but actually there was a couple other vials. Now it's spreading out to other regions and now it's up to Pikachu, Tim and Harry to go. Yeah. Legendary <laughs> Pokemon are in the area. Now. Yeah. Like that, that seems to be sort of straight away. What it is. Legendary Pokemon. Okay. You two is the catalyst of this mm-hmm. one. We'll see what's next. All right. Uh, I mean, other than the sequel, are you interested to see spinoffs or like interested other for spinoffs? Yes. Okay. I, I think, them. I think Mewtwo is an interesting character. Uh, I would love to know more of his backstory and all that kind of stuff, but also to see what else what else he can do because he's all like he's OP in this movie for sure. Um, the idea is like that Pokemon have been around since like the prehistoric ages, so like if you want to go back and tell that story, that'd be like mm-hmm. super fascinating. Like get Pokemon in ancient Egypt, uh, sign me up, I guess. Uh, or even if you want to again like expand out and go to different regions, go to there's a mention of like Kanto, which is a, a famous yep. region for Pokemon, the OG. and uh, go out there meet Red introduce ash or whatever like i don't care i'm up for another adventure because i do think the world even though i think we're being for the most part highlighting the criticisms of the film in the spoiler talk the, the world overall is super enjoyable rich for stories and uh future uh, potential adventures and everything yeah i think it'll be i think it'll be a staple of the box office every two three years yeah which i don't it doesn't look like it's gonna be a two billion dollar hit no. uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why i felt like i just felt like it had energy no i'm like again you're not alone but it, it was just like it, it, it's just so funny to see like how we all like a lot of people we all get so hyped for these movies and we're like oh this movie's gonna crush this movie's gonna crush and it's like it's still gonna do like really well but it's gonna do like you know 1.2 probably 1.2 billion but it's like oh, all right i guess that's good uh-huh. it's like no that's like phenomenal right it is just sort of like i thought it would be a juggernaut because yeah. i thought pokemon had staying power for an entire generation it does mm-hmm. not it's really just nostalgia for me and people who are in their 20s and 30s right those og game boy colors I just, I just thought it'd be just like you know a huge like <clears throat> international play, which early on it looks like it's doing okay, but like nothing like oh this movie would be like you know hundred million dollar opening weekend in China or something, and it's going to do like a lot less than that. So Not even like, close. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> I guess I was wrong, but uh, that is I think all we have on our review for Detective Pikachu. Other than will Josh watch it again? I will watch it again. Right. I thought it was just cute enough to. Bear one more rewatching. <laughs> all right. But on that note, that is all we have for our view of Detective Pikachu. We'll be right back in a bit with the news.
interact with the news. And as always, we start with our three main topics this week. Kicking off with uh, some brand new Star Wars movies, everybody. Even though we don't know what they are, we do know now, thanks to official announcement by Disney, uh, that three new Star Wars movies have been dated in the pre-Christmas weekend in December for 2022, 2024, and 2026. Again, we don't know what these movies are going to be. If they're all three part of the same trilogy, if one of them, if two of them were from one trilogy, if one's from a different, or if all of them were from completely different series altogether. Um, but we do know overall that this means that there's a three-year break after Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker before we get our next big screen adventure in a galaxy far, far away. Josh, is this three-year gap the right move for Star Wars moving forward? Yes, it's the right move, but it's not the rightest move. Okay. Four or five years would have been Ooh. perfect. It would have been. It would have let everything just dissolve. We forget that Star Wars was a movie, kind of. A thing, okay. And then all of a sudden, so. and then all of a sudden, you're just walking down the street. Someone smacks you in the face, and you're like, "Star Wars movie, it's <laughs> happening right now in 2024, right? Yes." And then you're like, "What? I'd forgotten Star Wars was a part of my old life. That's not who I am anymore. <laughs> I used to be Han Solo." And then you jump to hyperspace and jump back in. You know, that's that's how long it should be. But I, it's a profit center, and. You know, Bob Iger's got to make the money, or whoever's right. CEO after him. So that's the case with these, like that. But three years is more than I expected. So yeah, I'm I'm content with that. That's good. That, that'll give them time to just take a breath. But that's all, and then they're back to it. Yeah, no, I think I think this is like I think this is the the I think per, the perfect amount of time to take off after the Rise of Skywalker, where. We've had all this buildup. We've had one Star Wars movie a year since 2015, and we've just been inundated with new Star Wars, new Star Wars, new Star Wars. And now we're getting Disney Plus is on the horizon. We're going to get the Mandalorian. We're going to get Casting Andor series. We're going to get the Clone Wars revival. We're going to get a whole bunch of different stuff, uh, Star Wars related on Disney Plus. And uh, at all this all this time, we're all wondering, okay, well, what what else is happening on the big screen? Like, because like th- that is ultimately the bread and butter of the franchise. Um, as great as the Mandalorian could be. Star Wars is always going to be a big screen property first. And I think taking three years off after we've had a, a what, a, a five-year run of Star Wars movies yes. consecutively, I think that's three years to take off, regroup, uh, let things settle, let the fandom kind of get that buzz again, where instead of it's like, oh, a new Star Wars movie after you know six months after Last Jedi, I didn't like that movie. Oh, I'm not gonna like this one. And then, sure enough, oh, I don't like Solo. And now, oh, I don't care about the Rise of Skywalker. For or sure. if you're the reverse of that and the, you're super excited, then great. But I still think even there's some people who love all these movies who are like, I got maybe I don't need Star Wars every year potentially, which is kind of crazy for me to think about. I I would want it as much as possible, I guess. Um, but I think just in the general landscape of where we are with Star Wars and Disney and uh, everything like I think taking three years off to figure out what the plan is for the ne- for these three years that you set out in 2022 2024 and 2026 then I think that I think that's good and if you if you need to take that pause st- take a step back and be like, all right let's make sure we have all of our ducks in a row mm-hmm. we know what movies are going here we know if all three of these are going to be the Ben Wise film if all three of them are going to be the Ryan Johnson trilogy or it's going to be uh you know we're going to go back and forth between them and if that's the case then we have you know, four years between franchise installments for this uh, particular series, then like, great, 
and we're going to take the slow, we're going to build it up, and we're going to get Star Wars, like, we're going to keep Star Wars in the know, but we're going to take that that necessary time off before we get it back there. Absolutely. Like, Star Wars cannot appear to be frantic in any way. Like, I just think that that's what diminished Solo in a lot of ways, was just that, number one, it seemed like it was throwing itself at the screen mm-hmm. rather than waiting for you to come to it, and I think that's what Star Wars has to be, is, like, just this thing that's here, you can come get it, but then also at the same time, get it out of the way of any tentpole Avengers films. Right. <laughs> right? And, and then and so this will let them do that, especially because they are staking them. seems like they're staking themselves out in this number. So, yeah. Yeah. So they, they already have locked down those dates far in advance. So there's obviously not going to be any cap. Oh, actually I think the 2022 date is the same date uh, that Warner Brothers has put out for Aquaman 2, which so I'm assuming Aquaman 2 is going to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you think, well, it could. Be, it's a brand new Star Wars property, as we were talking about last week. Like, is that is the first installment of the Ben Affleck Wise Star Wars series? Is that going to be as big of a draw as you know Episode 10 would would have been? Probably, probably not. It'll probably be somewhat of a dip, three years off, whatever. Um, but that could also go the opposite way, where it's been three years since we've seen Star Wars. I need to see it again on the big screen. I can't wait. And now it's uh, $200 million opening weekend again and Aquaman's left in the dust. But I would assume Aquaman's going to move and that, you know, Lucasfilm and Star Wars will continue to dominate this December frame. The other question I have then, obviously, is what do you think these movies are going to be? Because I don't think we're going to get a standalone solo, uh, Star Wars story in any of these. No. I think those are all dead. Definitely. And if they're happening in a form like an Obi-Wan movie, they're all being converted to Disney Plus six-episode series or something. So... At, this, at that point, then, that we know of two trilogies that are in development, one from Ben Affleck Wise, one from Ryan Johnson. Do you think that all three of these are for one of those trilogies, or do you think we're going to alternate between them? It's so weird for them just to drop three dates down mm-hmm. and then let that be it. So I am inclined to believe it's a trilogy. It's a straightforward, here's one, here's one, here's one. Benioff and Wise are not directing their trilogy. Correct. They're just creating it. They're, exec- they're executive producing it with Kathleen Kennedy and Ryan Johnson. I'm assuming they're writing the scripts as well? I hope not. Not after that last Game of Thrones episode. <laughs> um, and so, and like, I don't think Kathleen Kennedy would let them. And so, like, I don't think that's theirs. I really don't. I think it's Ryan Johnson's trilogy and Benny F and Wise come afterwards. Really? I really do. I really think, I really think Benny F and Wise D and D, which I love that, but way better. Um, <laughs> the, the, the acronym are going to write and get their trilogy around and ready, find directors and then start in on it. Because I think if they are doing Clone War, Clone Wars, um, the old Republic, they are going to take a lot longer to get everything right. Mythology and just the minutia of all of that, which would take some time. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, Ryan Johnson's trilogy is first up because it's going to be simpler. Hmm. Yeah, I guess uh, that's what's weird because I, I feel like, again, like setting out those three lease dates, it makes me believe that it's all for the same trilogy, but then at the same time, maybe you just don't want to announce Star Wars movies till 2031 <laughs> to get all six of these installments out there. Then people are like, oh, oh, wow. Right. That that could be overwhelming for people. Now this it's like, all right, one. this is 
this is still relatively far in the future, 2026. We're still seven years away. Um, but it's still like somewhat manageable. If you're like, all right, here's Star Wars movies for the next 11 years. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Disney, I guess. Um, but I, so, and that's the weird thing because if, like, and only going out these three years, that if this is all for one trilogy, that means that one of these creative teams are taking it, like, they don't have to do anything Star Wars later for another like decade almost. They don't have to do press for another Star Wars thing for another decade. Sure, but like that, and that seems crazy to me. Yeah. Whether it's Ben, ben Affleck Wise and holding off of the Game of Thrones success, whether, however, season eight wraps up, the mo- the series has been a huge hit, and like, how do you not want to capitalize that as quick as possible? And then on the flip side, the Last Jedi, even though we both love it, a lot of people I know love it. There's still other people who don't, and it's looked at as as a divisive film online, and that is the 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 buzz around it, rightfully or not. And a lot of that, you know, the criticism is taken at Ryan Johnson unfairly, in my opinion. Um, and if this is the case, and this is all bad for wise for the first three movies, then you're saying, all right, Ryan, in 2028, or I guess 2026, 2027, when you when you have to start filming your uh-huh. first installment. Or I guess if I guess if he directs the first one at all, like we're gonna say Ryan Johnson, you like commit your life to Star Wars and like stay ready to get this movie in for another like eight years. Mm-hmm. That seems way. That seems crazy long to me. Yeah, it is crazy long, and that's why I don't think. That's why I really do think that Johnson's first up because Johnson, as a guy, doesn't want to do any of this mm-hmm. for this long. I mean, like his personal investment is right direct. And, you know, just push it full bore. Right. D&D are hands-off. I mean, they're hands-on, but they're hands-off. Mm-hmm. They, 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 were, they were not at the Battle of Winterfell every night of that shoot. Like, they, they did not, they're not going to put the hard work in there. They're going to pass it off. And they can wait. But if they can, set, if they can sit down in front of, you know, interviewers and on the press junket when those movies do come out, mm-hmm. be like, yeah, this is basically our idea of capturing the old Republic from all the books and the lore and everything like that and plotting it out that way, they'll definitely do that. And that'll give them time to do, I don't know, whatever else that they've got in the works. Um, whether, it's with H- with, whether it's with HBO or somewhere else, mm-hmm. Netflix or Apple Plus or right. whatever the case is. Now. I don't know. I, I, just, I just feel like for me that it would make the most sense if 2022 was, say, like the first installment of Banff Wise and then 2024 was the first installment of Ryan Johnson's. Mm-hmm. And then we're it's every four years for each of those trilogies, but we're still getting a Star Wars movie every two years. So it's not as long of a wait, but then we're intercutting between these different franchises. The only question I have about that, um, even though I think that makes the most sense to keep all these people still involved and not have to have them wait a decade from when they initially signed on uh-huh. to make their films is can Star Wars do this and make them clearly different or yeah you risk are, your audience or are they intertwined and the Ben Affleck Wise thing is this huge expansive old republic whatever that's that's the landscape and then Ryan Johnson's trilogy is and now we're going to focus on a different part of the galaxy in that same time period. Hmm. Or are we, we're going to fo- we're going to spin off a side character that you're going to introduce in the first film, and they're going to be the lead of my trilogy, and then we'll tie it all back together. And like they go semi MCU like shared universe style, where there's this larger story at hand, but then we're also seeing a smaller, uh, more personal story 
in between the larger installments. I don't see that happening. But, I mean, it's possible. Like, maybe they are redirecting I mean, Kathleen Kennedy said that they're meeting, that she was going to meet with Baron Wise and Ryan Johnson and that they're working all together to figure out what the next 10 years is going to be. Which could be taken as... All right, let's make sure everybody's on the same page. Like, flip a coin. Like, who's <laughs> right. going first? That, well, that's what I think felt that moment was. I think that's, uh, that probably make, is the most logical explanation. Right. But listen, the Lakers hired Frank Vogel right. <laughs> last weekend. So both logical and rational choices are clearly not being made. That's but. true. That's true. Now, uh, before we wrap this part of the discussion up with the main uh, three topics here, the only other question I have about this, mm-hmm. with a three-year gap coming after the rise of Skywalker, yes. does that put even more pressure on this film? to close this Skywalker saga, this brand new trilogy out in the right fashion. Because if it doesn't, then this is the last Star Wars thing we're going to have on the big screen for three years. And as great as Mandalorian, as great as Cassiander could be, this will still be the big thing that people will talk about in terms of Star Wars until something new comes on the big screen. So does that put more pressure on JJ to deliver? It doesn't put more pressure but it does change the way we see it in a little bit. Yeah. It'll just be like, this will, oh, great. The conversation, like, imagine if the conversation around Last Jedi had to go on for three years rather <laughs> oh, than gosh. two. Could you imagine? I, like, the Skywalker trailer basically finished that all off. Yeah. Like, um, it, it, it cut it off at the stem, and now everyone's like, how does this possibly going to enfold all of these things? I mean, even Solo kind of put somewhat of a like a stopgap on the last Jedi hate. Right. It's like, but all like, right, well, now let's focus on Solo a little yeah, bit, and now, some... now we'll circle back around to exactly, the last Jedi yeah, later yeah, Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, but then, you know, hearing Palpatine's laugh, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I get it now. Ryan Johnson concluded Daisy, Poe, and Finn's arc, story arcs, and now this last film is about all the films. And so then, so then it's like, okay, we now we move forward. But yes, JJ does. It, the Rise of Skywalker has to do so many things, mm-hmm. all in almost two hours and forty minutes, or whatever. The, the yeah, final it's, it's, it's got to be long. It will be long, but I don't think that's any kind of new pressure because I think when that first trailer dropped for the Rise of Skywalker, it understood what it was. The, it understood the landscape and the discourse that it was going to emerge from. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think though it changes anything at all because the last the, the last Jedi criticism was largely online, right. on Twitter, and just tweeted at Ryan Johnson, <laughs> and we and, and film Twitter follows Ryan Johnson, and so we're just sort of like, oh, Ryan Johnson's being harassed. That's not great. And then you're like, you start diving in, and you're like, oh wow, these people really really didn't like it. And then it's sort of just, um infected the people who were lukewarm and they're like oh the last jedi just is awful and i think that's kind of or kind of like how it yeah it's basically just divulged into you either love this movie immensely or you hate it right at least in terms of perceptions yeah and that's kind of how it came like the lukewarm takes were just sort of like okay yeah right you <laughs> like know? how can you just be lukewarm you either have to love it or you hate it but that's to, just the internet <laughs> you're my enemy or you're my friend there's exactly. no in between <laughs> um yeah i i think it probably puts a little more pressure on star wars 9 um but again i don't think it's really that like the movie already has incredible amount of pressure on it just to end this nine film saga in the right way how the discourse that and how that could affect future films that's not on jj necessarily that's <laughs> That's the Lucasfilm thing, if anything. Right. I mean, I mean, the the, pr- the pressure is: does it get to a, a billion and a half dollars or a billion and one and one point two? You know, like that's the pressure. Right. 
the, the, the conversation, the discourse, you know, isn't really going to shut or anything. At no. all, I don't think. Um, but let's move on to the MCU. As according to the wrap this week, they added Richard Madden, uh, the Game of Thrones star, who was uh, in a lot of ways one of the supposed front runners to land the Batman role uh, in Matt Reeves' younger Batman take. But he is joining the MCU instead and is in talks to join the Eternals, uh, which Variety revealed uh, the role he is looking at would be Icarus, which uh, is normally the uh, main male role in the uh, Eternals comics in Marvel. So uh, this is a big role for Richard Madden. I'm a big fan of uh, him as an actor from Game of Thrones, but also from Bodyguard on Netflix, which was a very, very good series that he is phenomenal in. Have you seen um, him in Ibiza yet? Have I seen what? Him in, have you seen Madden in Ibiza? Which is Ibiza? Also yes. Never even heard of it. Gillian Jacobs, Netflix original. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> Glowing recommendation from Josh Straley. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ibiza aside, I guess, uh, I I think Richard Madden just continued to be one of the uh, kind of a rising star in uh, the, on the on the small screen, and now for him to get this big screen kind of breakout role, which uh, he's already familiar with Disney in that Disney family, thanks to uh, his role in Cinderella, the live action movie from 2015, I believe. Um, and I I'm really excited to see him take on Icarus, even though I thought they would go for somebody like bigger, like like a Chris Hemsworth type of that, just because that's like I guess how he is in the comics for the most part. But uh, I think Richard Madden brings what you most need from the Eternals cast, which is name recognition, but then also like great acting ability. Mm-hmm. Th- those are the two keys to this because nobody knows who the Eternals are. Nobody knows who a curse is. Um, but if you say, here's a Marvel Studios movie and it's Richard Madden, Angelina Jolie, Camille Nanjiani, and Madang Siak, uh, that's going to get people involved. That's going to get other people to join the cast. That's going to get other people to get in the theaters when the movie comes out probably next November, uh, unless not official yet. So I am very excited uh, that Richard Matter is now part of the MCU. Yeah, I, he's a perfect he's a perfect choice. He's very angelic in a lot of ways. Um, like his, the, 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 the jaw, the chin, <laughs> like is perfectly chiseled. And so he makes him like a no-brainer choice. Um, this... Does he? If he, he hasn't signed a contract yet, not he's yet. In he's in talks. So hopefully this isn't just a negotiating tactic for the Batman people <laughs> to make up their dang minds about you know what's going on. Uh, that'd be that'd be disappointing. It's not my hopes up. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. But the Marvel, I mean, like, listen, you can make just as much bank in the Marvel movie, I think, unless you know you're leveraging what you can make there to batman right and that's almost a done deal so who knows but like you said like you just listed all those things out all of a sudden eternals doesn't it sounds obscure but it's like look at all these people how could it not how, how could it go wrong right you know like joey chow like bring it on like i'm ready for it you know yeah, Angelina I mean, jolie it. and kamal come on like that was good enough and then now we've got richard madden alongside of badong siak yes so Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just kind of because this thing keeps getting compared to the Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, oh, th- this is the big co- cosmic risk that Marvel Marvel did in 2014. This is going to be the first failure. Now, everybody's kind of looking at the Eternals to be the same thing. But then you look at the Eternals cast and it's like, this thing is way more star studded than Guardians of the Galaxy was mm-hmm. on right. its inception. It's like Chris Pratt off Parks and Rec where it's like, oh, he's like, he's not chubby anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, cool. I right. guess. Zola Saldana is like somebody who's like been in big movies, but like. She's not like that, like recognizable, like movie star in a sense. Bradley Cooper's probably the biggest star there, and he's 
you know, a voice of a raccoon. Yeah, you're like, oh, but Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel are appearing as animated characters. Yeah. Okay, fine. Right. But then this is like, and like the first post of the first trailer for this is going to be like prominently feature Angelina Jolie's face, Richard Madden's face, Camille Nanjiani's mm-hmm. one-liners. Like there's, and like, who knows? Who, like this thing has a crazy, uh, you know, cast of characters that they still need to find. So uh, if this is how it's like the way it's shaping up already, like if this kind of level of talent continues, like this is going to be an incredible cast for uh, one of the first films of phase four of the MCU. Um, and we'll move on to the final film of phase three, according to Kevin Feige. Uh, it's not, it was not Avengers Endgame. It's actually going to be Spider-Man far from home. Um, and we got the second trailer, which was full of spoilers for Avengers Endgame. So if you've not seen Avengers Endgame, skip ahead in this episode uh, and don't watch that trailer either, uh, because uh, it is now attached to Avengers Endgame in theaters as a post credit scene as well. So uh, if you go see it again, stay tuned and uh, stick to the credits for uh, this trailer. But uh, I thought this trailer for one was great. It was, I loved the way that they played off. They're going all in on, yep, Iron Man's dead. Yep. <laughs> and Peter can't handle it. And uh, it really just, it's it's only a couple of shots, but it's like, man, Tom Holland, like, what a great actor. He is just so good. And uh, I can't wait to see how he deals with this arc that Peter's going on. But uh, I think the big takeaway here, the one, the thing that a lot of people have been talking about is Mysterio. Uh, not just because Jake Gyllenhaal, hashtag Gyllenhaalic, that, you know, everybody's raving about. Can't wait to see that his suit looks phenomenal. Um, it's what he is introducing in terms of concept for the MCU, uh, which I guess could be potentially in the very near future, the MCM, the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse, uh, because that is what he is saying exists now, thanks to the snap that there's uh, there's all these other um, different realities that now exist, that he is from one of them, and he is now on Earth 616, as it has been dubbed, which is a nice callback to the comics. Um, but the thing is, Mysterio is a habitual liar <laughs> in the comics. So do you believe that Mysterio is actually from a different reality or is he just full of BS? I definitely think he's lying. I'm, I'm, that, that's his M.O. And he's presenting himself as a superhero like right away. Like spoiler, Why not spoilers for Far From Home, by the way? Um, possibly, maybe not. But okay. like some of his comic lore is pretending to be a superhero at his first you know, yep. outing. And that's exactly what it looks like here. It's like, I'm here to save the day, and there's interdimensional beings that are popping up, but actually these are just creations of my own that are being used, or whatever the case mm-hmm. is. I don't know. But, yes, I, I, he's totally lying. But it looks like they are letting there be a relationship develop between Peter Parker and Jake Gyllenhaal, like yeah. letting two actors act together mm-hmm. um, like they did with him and Keaton. Like One of the great things about this is Peter Parker is getting some one-on-one time with these villains yeah. in different settings that uh, just let the, you know, the A-list people that they've wrangled for those roles let out of the back a little bit, you know, out of the ham and all that jazz. So that's the great part. But he's totally lying. He's totally lying. I mean, Nick Fury's getting himself conned, and you know that's that, that's that. Yep. And uh, we have the uh, set visit embargo. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, for Spider-Man Far From Home also lifted this week, and part of that, um, which Greener was at, uh, talked about how uh, the producer Eric Carroll addressed whether or not there was going to be, um, you know, the Mysterio twist was going to come, and he was like, you know, maybe. Maybe he'll be a Baron Mortal type character. I don't know what they're. I, I feel like they're trying to save that up, and that they'll keep him as a hero for like 90% of the film. Then the last like 10% is going to be like, Oh no, Mysterio is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And my theory about this 
is that the multiverse is real. Um, okay. But Mysterio is not from a different dimension. Uh, instead, I think the elementals are from a different dimension and that Mysterio is using them as his in to be like, oh, these other things are from a different earth. I'm going to say I'm from a different earth and that I have these powers where really it's like alien technology or um, special effects to make it look like I have powers. But really, I'm just like trying to show off to either try to get like fame or fortune um, or um, he is trying to figure out how to use the multiverse um, because uh, if you notice, he has a wedding ring on. So maybe he's lost loved ones through the snap, through the decimation. Uh, they didn't come back or that they moved on during the five year gap between yeah. uh, the snap and you know everybody coming back. And so now he's trying to get his life back together and he's trying to use the multiverse as the way to bring it all together. Um, I think that could be an interesting way to do it. Um, and you mentioned the uh, the vulture twist kind of uh, from Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, Tom Holland also mentioned uh, in the set visits that there is a scene similar to that in Far From Home where you're going to feel like you get punched in the face. That was that's what, that's what that was his quote, um, which that's what leads me to believe that we are going to get Mysterio. Oh, I was a bad guy the at some time. point. I mean, there's the comic backstory to to back that up, obviously, but also just like that would be an emotional gut punch to Peter or to Peter Parker, where you lose your mentor, and now a week or so later, you're on Europe, you're on a European trip, you meet this other super powerful uh, mentor figure, and you're bonded with him, have a great friendship with Jake Gyllenhaal, and then all of a sudden, you find out he's also a bad guy, and it's yeah. just like, man, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't get a break. That'd be tough. And I, th- but I think that's like what like Peter Parker's always going through it. What makes him such a great character? Uh, nothing's ever going off Peter, but he's always able to still be a hero. And if that's the way they, this goes, then I'm super excited and. Uh, I can't wait to see what they're going to do uh, for the rest of the thing in Far From Home. Amen. Um, one other reveal we got in the uh, in the trailer itself, it looks like MJ knows that oh, Peter's that's Spider-Man. Right. That's right. It was very blatant. That like, was the what? one That was the one thing where I was like, okay, I don't know if I needed that in the trailer, uh, unless it is like, that's what went for like jokes of like, oh, it's so obvious. Uh-huh. But like, I'm pretty sure MJ is smart enough to like figure out, like put two and two together. Yeah. Peter goes to Europe. He's been missing all time in New York. That's where Spider-Man's located. Not Spider-Man's overseas, and like I like I like that aspect. Like MJ's not like stupid. Yeah, like she, no, she figures it out. Like she's, she's like, observant. She pays, yeah. she's paying attention to him. Exactly. I think that plays into like their relationship too. Where like oh, like well, they've always been into each other. Right. Oh yeah, he will. He dropped gym class or whatever. This is like I'm not stalking him. I'm just observant. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was all the all the seeds were planted. You know. Yeah, and so like, but I but I like that new twist on the relationship where now it's not oh i have to hide this from mj i have to figure out how to tell her she already knows and then if the if this relationship does become romantic as you know he is hoping it will become uh then that is already part of their like foundation of their relationship where she knows he like he's already like there's no secrets yes and now we can just move forward with like that honesty and like that i think that's a nice like way to progress this thing forward to make it different than other versions of the Peter MJ relationship we've seen on screen before. Totally so, agree. Uh, the last thing here, uh, just a quick mention, John Watts, the director, told Fandango this past week that Vulture is not in the movie, actually, which was uh, previously reported uh, before the movie began filming. He said, quote, Keaton is not in the movie, and uh, Laura Harrier is not in the movie, who plays his daughter Liz uh, Toombs as well. So the Toombs, the Toombs family is gone from Far From Home, which... I'm a little bummed about, but maybe he, like, is there any chance he's lying? This is all part of a, like, 
setting the stage for Sinister Six in a post-credit scene they don't want to make any mentions of? I think, yeah, I think that it's leading to Sinister Six. I really do feel like that. We've already got two of the three. We've got two down already mm-hmm. set up in uh, Far From Home. Yeah, we got Vulture. We got mm-hmm. Mysterio now. Um, I mean, I don't think the Tinkerer would be actually part of the Sinister Six. I'll be like the guy who brings them all together, gives yeah. them equipment. Um, but like Prowler could be part of one. Could be a member. That'd be cool if he actually gets like a super suit and Donald Glover gets a bigger role. Oh, or um, uh, who's the other guy? Shocker is in Homecoming. Right. So I think whether it's them or one of the elementals does turn out to be like, you know, it's based on Sandman and they recruit that version of Sandman to become mm-hmm. part of the elementals or I don't know. I'm not I'm not super sure on how quickly they're going to get to Sister Six, um, but I do think that's what they're building towards. It would be cool if, uh, you know, Mysterio is apprehended by the end and then hit and like Scorpion meet or him and Vulture meet in prison. And then it's like, oh, so you also know who Peter Parker is? <laughs> hmm, maybe we should uh, figure out some way to get back at him for putting locking us both away. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. I think, I think we're building towards it though. But yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't think we get anything like really big in the middle of the movie though. No. I think if anything, yeah, it would be like post credit. Yeah, like that's just like it. the Keaton thing. Yep. Where it's like Mysterio ends up in the cell right next to two right. or whatever the case is. And he's like, you know Peter Parker? Yeah, how do you know Peter Parker? And then it's like, okay, let's go take him down yeah. or something like that. <laughs> How'd you get in here? Ah, oh, some stupid kid named Peter Parker. Wait, mm-hmm. what a minute? <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, but uh, we're not going to include the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer in the ticket or skip it section. But Too we important. Are, we are going to move on because I think we'd probably give it a ticket potentially. I the... wouldn't have actually. Really? Okay. Yeah. So there is, uh, there's a big one that we got this week. Um, I'm that guy. Which uh, <laughs> totally understandable. It's a great trailer. Uh, but we got our first trailer for The Farewell, the first trailer for Chapter 2, the second trailer for Where'd You Go Burnedette, and the first trailer for Judy, Josh, I'm assuming the second one that I mentioned is the one you get, is getting your ticket? No. Really? I almost did, though. You're going for? I, I went for, 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 I'm giving my ticket to Farewell. Okay. It, because it's 1,000% the movie for me, I think, in a lot of ways. It's A24, which I'm a sucker for. Uh, I have been so high on Aquafina uh, ever since. I, like Ocean's 8 was like where I noticed her. I'm like, she's funny. Right. And then crazy rich agents was like that's really good mm-hmm. and then this was like this is just too perfect it's it's mel- it's melancholy but also there's just like intense heartwarming emotion just coursing through its veins and you can like feel the sunshine that like aquafina is like giving in her performance with her grandma and like the idea that you just let your grandparent like die without telling them like what's going on or like something like that that's that's I don't know. It's wild for me to hear, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like I want to see how this plays out. Like that's what this movie just intrigues me so much, and I thought it was a better trailer than it chapter two, and that's and I want to see it more than it chapter two okay. at this present moment. So that's why I'm giving my ticket to it. Fair enough. I I think that the trailer lived up to all the praise it got early in the year, where when it debuted at uh toronto or some some film festival um and it did really make it look like i don't know if we're gonna get aquafina oscar nominee at the uh you know early 2020 um that's that's the future we're headed towards that'd be great if it was uh because i do think the trailer looks good but i'm I'm gonna give my ticket to it chapter two um because i really liked how this trailer was assembled where I, I love the style of trailers, especially for like something like this, where we get to see an entire scene breathe. Yes. And here it is. Here's the super creepy old lady mm-hmm. <laughs> meeting Jessica Chastain as the older Bev. And just her, whoever that old lady is playing, you know, a version of Pennywise. 
wow like hats off to you because you were super creepy like the, the the smile she just holds for like six seconds i'm like uh this is i'm i'm uncomfortable right now or like her like weird little dance in the hallway or yes. and when she's like dances off naked across the ground like what, uh, like what what is happening like it is so bizarre um but then like it's just cool to see then like the older losers club all together again um uh, back together and then getting them intercut with the younger versions of them all the all those mm-hmm. kids back uh it, it doesn't really lay out a lot of the story which i'm happy i'm totally fine with and i think it for the most part holds back on a lot of scares because we really just get that elongated scene with bev and the older lady and then just a couple of like quick little you know, flashes here and there of like somebody in a, in a giant pool of blood or, um, you know, Pennywise on a clown over, you know, giant, you know, uh, Paul Bunyan statue. And like, yes. that that's, that's all we really get. And like, I'm fine with that. Cause like, I would rather get all those like scares and thrills, like save for the theater. And cause as long as it chapter two can deliver on the same level as it did, then, uh, I'm, I'll be pretty happy with it. Yeah, I totally agree. Joanne Greg is the old lady who okay. was being ultra creepy at the beginning of that. <laughs> well, hats off to you. Uh-huh. And she's not from like really anything else that's like... So it's just an Andy out. Muschietti find? Yeah, it's the Andy Muschietti. I mean, All she's right. in some other things, but like they're really random. But okay. Anyway, point <laughs> being, yeah. It just looks like more. Like, oh boy, you're really in for it this time. Yep. And But Jessica Chastain looks like she's having a ton of fun just even in that scene. And yeah, like you said, I can't wait for that though. But yes. Yes, uh, it chapter two coming out in September uh, could be another box office big winner uh, at the end of the year. But let's move on to the flyby here to wrap up this episode, uh, starting with a bit of a weird story uh, because John Wick three director and former Matrix stuntsman uh, Chad Stahelski told Yahoo Movies UK this week that the Wachowskis are working on a new Matrix film. He said, quote, I'm super happy that the Wachowskis are not just doing a Matrix, but they're expanding what we all loved. Uh, he then, you know, kind of went on to say that he wasn't sure if they'd actually direct the film or if, but he did say that they are actually involved, except uh, Slash Film then was reached out by Chad Sahelski's representatives and said that his comments were taken out of context uh, and that this is not the case. So we may get a Matrix 4. We may not. Either way, Josh, would you want to see the Wachowskis come back for Matrix 4 Uh either as writers, directors, or like really hands-on producers? Uh, I, you know, or do you even want Matrix 4? I don't want Matrix 4. Restart it, reboot it, change it, do something with it. But like you you literally just... they It was a complete story. It was the first like epic trilogy of this century. Mm-hmm. This millennium. And like there's no room for a sequel. In any way, unless the, the idea is that Keanu Reeves and the entirety of, you know, Morbius and Zion was all within a, a cycle and system itself. Whoa. Like, you know, the inception, multi-layers right. of the Matrix. Whoa. And, which, okay. And then you're just like, well, then what's the point of any of these movies if none of this matters? Or <laughs> right, none so of you this just do that over real. and over and over again. Yeah, the infinite reboot, just like the infinite reboot of the Matrix mm-hmm. itself. And at that point, I just stopped caring. Unless there's like a really a way to change it or make it different. Um, the Michael B. Jordan thing that we talked about like a year ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Two years ago was interesting and cool. Um, I mean, Chad seems excited about this and good on him, but I'm, I'm just not here for it. Uh, you know, whether or not it's true or false, but it's a property that's done well at the box office. So Warner Brothers would be stupid not to try. Right. Which makes it seem probable. 
but I can't imagine them coming up with anything that would be satisfying or intriguing enough to get me back in the game. Yeah, I'd be on board for a new Matrix films from the Wachowskis if they wrote it or did like a very specific, very detailed outline for the plot, but that they didn't direct it. Because I just feel like over the last several films they've done, like they haven't connected for me. Um, yeah, same here. And so I would rather whether it's a as we talked like when we did our you know what other franchises uh, need retcon sequels. Big question we did several months ago. We mentioned Matrix as one of those possibilities, and like if that was the case, we get the first Matrix happened, then nothing two and three didn't happen, and now we're picking back up with Neo after twenty years of learning, like the entering the Matrix and like figuring out his power set. Cool, I'm I'm on board for that story, um, but I, like, I just don't know where else you go. Like as you mentioned, like after the third Matrix film with Neo with this cast of characters, um, as cool as it would be to see Keanu back in the role of Neo after all these years, um, I'm just not sure if that's probably what's best for the franchise and but if it does if it does happen and if the Wachowskis are working on something in secret I'd rather they write it and then let somebody else come in and direct it and maybe hone in some of their what I assume will be wild ideas because uh, those latter two films kind of really go to places that uh, are a little out there yeah they just yeah they come from nowhere actually so <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's move on then to a story from Deadline this week which gave us uh, one of the best pairings and uh sentences you could ever hear for a movie potentially uh where chris hemsworth and tiffany haddish are going to star in a movie called down undercover which is a buddy cop film where hemsworth and haddish will play unlikely unlikely partners who go undercover to track down australian male erotic dancers who are pulling off casino heists wow what a log line (laughs) for a film what a pairing between hemsworth and haddish uh this seems like a jump street spinoff film uh in some ways and i am all here for this uh whatever it may be because this just sounds like an incredible uh uh, premise ripe for comedy and then the pairing of hemsworth and haddish uh I think that's just going to be electric. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can see the trailer play out before your eyes. Yes. You can hear Tiffany Haddish be like, I'm a cop. You're a, a person. And Chris Hemmer's like, yes. And then, and there, an elite team of Australian um, dancers, like yep. erotic dancers or whatever the case is, robbing casinos. And then they're like, let's go get them. Yep. And then hijinks ensue. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see it. I love it. Give it to me now. And there's gonna, there's definitely gonna be a, a moment where Haddish is like, "All right, you know what? The best way to do this is Hemsworth. You have to go into cover. Mm-hmm. Before you do this, you need to show me your routine first, <laughs> and <laughs> your yeah. audition tapes, and mm-hmm. uh, that that you know there'll be something there. And, yes, uh, absolutely. It, it'll, yeah, it'll, it'll, be, if this happens, and this is an early development project, but if that happens, uh, this is I think that has a potential to be just a, a big hit. Um, but we also got a lot of release date shifts from Disney, in addition to the new Star Wars movies that we talked about at the top of the news section, uh, which. Some of them concerned the Fox properties, most importantly, The New Mutants, which was scheduled to hit theaters after its third delay uh, this August, has now been delayed once again, hopefully for the final time, uh, and is now going to hit theaters as of right now on April 3rd, 2020. And in addition to this news, uh, Disney and Fox removed all of their Fox Marvel release dates from their combined slates, which included the 2021 release date for Gambit. So uh, Gambit's dead, any of those other... Fox Marvel products are probably dead as well. And now New Mutants is going to have to wait another year uh, to hit theaters. Josh, is there any way when New Mutants hits theaters, if it does hit theaters, indeed, on April 3rd, 2020, that it is good? Yes. 
Disney has it now and they don't want to release a Disney Marvel property that's bad. And I think Josh Boone gets the money. I think he gets his cast and they go take another shot at it. Or they update it or they get the cut together that is a cohesive movie that is good. Because apparently it was good the first time. And they're like, oh, it's so good. We need to go like send you back and go yeah. do more. The weird thing about all those reports was like some people were saying they're going back to make it darker. Or they're going back to make it not as dark. I'm like, which one is it? <laughs> I'm not sure. I really don't. I think they're just going to see this thing through to the end. And it's going to be the best possible New Mutants movie that we could have gotten. I hope so. I really do. I'm not someone I'm going to choose to believe until I see it and it's bad. Right. I mean, that first trailer was still phenomenal. I think I put this movie like five on my most anticipated films of 2018. And now it's going to come out in 2020 instead. Um, but I really hope this movie comes together somehow, some way. Uh, I'm just concerned that... It's had just had such a troubled production that Disney does, like probably doesn't really care about it because it's not their property to begin with. Uh, that they're just gonna try to piece it together as best they can, do the reshoots. Um, I'm just I just envision like a Fantastic Four like 2015 version like style like time cut where it's like all right now here are the events of like the first two thirds of the film and now here are the third act reshoots that we did but we have to do a time jump because it's been two years since all of our actors have played these roles and they don't all look the same <laughs> so yeah. oh. uh, I, feel, I feel like there's just so many complications to get this thing done right it also would i'm assuming will mean we're definitely not going to get any uh x-men mutants references in marvel movies in 2020 um because that would be way too confusing if New Mutants comes out in the beginning of the year. That's the first Marvel movie of the year. And then Black Widow makes a mention of a mutant. They're like, wait, is that the New Mutants? Or is those different mutants? Or are the New Mutants part of the MCU? I don't think they will be. Um, but, I yeah, fingers crossed the mutants somehow uh, is good. And, you know, pouring out for Gambit, I guess. Jan Tam, you never got the chance. Yeah, I'm so, so sorry, man. But, like, yeah, there's no way that was happening. No, it's, it's, it's okay. I'm not going to lose any sleep about it. Um, other than that, we also got word from Disney that they've reshuffled James Cameron's plans for the Avatar sequels, with Avatar 2 being pushed back another year instead of coming out next December. It's now going to come out on December 2020. And as a result, Avatar Avatar 3 moved to December uh, 2023. Avatar 4 moved to December of 2025. And Avatar 5 moved to December of 2027. So these are the films that are alternating between the new Star Wars movies. Uh, Disney's really staking out that holiday pre-Christmas release date window here for Avatar and Star Wars for the next several years. Um, now, I, th- I like this model, I think, a little better than like they're going to do like two films back-to-back years, I think was the plan. Yes. And then take... a year too often do the other two back to back i like taking them and spreading them out a little more whether or not they're good or not i don't know i saw some faith in james cameron that he'll be able to pull off this miracle somehow but uh, i like i like yes i do too sorry I didn't cut it's fine it, like i like the idea though of infinity war and game mm-hmm. uh, i think that's kind of like avatar's thing too where it's that's what i felt like you were gonna do okay avatar 2 next one avatar 3 mm-hmm then take two years off hooray we won and then all of a sudden we didn't win and then we got to go fight him again in this last one and the ultimate evil of mankind colonists Stephen lang is back again (laughs) the fifth the fifth iterance of this man is defeated that's that was my kind of thing okay but you know whatever the case is like they're gonna bring out all the merchandising and disney power that they can and that's that's it's that's the move it's just insane to me that we're going to get Avatar 2 12 years after the first movie hit theaters. Uh, wild. 
that we're waiting this long for this movie. Um, in addition to all these other uh, Disney release dates, we also have a couple other things we'll mention here real quickly. Steven Spielberg's West Side Story remake got a December 18th, 2020 release date. The Emma Stone-led Cruella DeVille movie got a December 23rd, 2020 release date. Uh, Artemis Fowl was delayed from late this year to May 29th, 2020. And Ad Astra, uh, which was previously dated for May 24th of this year, has now been moved to September 20th of 2019. Uh, which of these release date news you know stands out to you the most, Josh? Ad Astra, I think, because that's a movie I'm excited for. It mm-hmm. was on my top 15. I don't know if it made it into our show though, like I don't our remember. collective, our cumulative. I don't think so. I don't think so because I don't. Mia Cohen didn't have it. I'm pretty sure. But I feels like an Oscar Beatty, but kind of high minded sci fi movie, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited for it because I've seen a image of Brad Pitt in a space helmet. I'm not even sure if that's legit or not. I don't think it's legit either, but because it's, it's, it's the one image it. that everybody's used, but I don't think, I just don't think it's actually official. <laughs> I think somebody just like photoshopped it. Now it's like, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. It, it looks photoshopped in every single, every single way. Um, because it looks like it came from uh what do you call that thing? That movie where it's dark and the night is full of terror. No, it looks like alien, but with Brad Pitt in there <laughs> right. instead of, um, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver Ripley. Yes, that that so that that's my thing. But there's also some other ones out there. But those look like they're gravity, and I'm pretty sure Brad Pitt's where like just mean mugging like paparazzi. So right, yeah. we will see. But the, and then again, the Ad Astra photo gallery on IMDb has it in there too. So well, IMDb will have anything in there. <laughs> that's true. There's no rules anymore. No. And where they've got that, it looks like it. But it looks textured. If that's the image from the movie, it looks textured and great. And I can't wait for the release date. Yeah, uh, I think the thing that sticks out to me the most is that we're gonna get West Side Story and Cruella five days apart. Uh, mm. That seems like an odd move <clears throat> from Disney, but I think they're also going to go for completely different audiences where what's that story will be a family musical drops, you know, the week before Christmas and then Cruella de Vil is the somehow Christmas movie that you all go see as a family. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I guess. Uh, but Emma Stone playing Cruella de Vil, uh, I think that's got a lot of fun potential behind it. So I'm on board for that movie. Uh, and it, coming next year is uh, kind of a surprise, to be honest, because I didn't think it was like, happening that quickly. Um, but last thing here, uh, Deadline reported this week that a Wrinkle in Time star, Storm Reed, is set to star in a lo- uh, set to star alongside Elizabeth Moss in Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man movie. Uh, this is her first role, I believe, since uh, Wrinkle in Time came out last year. So uh, I like this addition f- uh, to the cast. I, like, I liked her in that movie even though the movie is just okay overall, and to, to see her take on a different sort of role, whatever that may be, in The Invisible Man, um, I think that's a nice pairing between her and Moss. And the only two cast members that we have confirmed so far, yep. too, Arnie Hammer, maybe. Arnie Hammer, maybe. Alexander Skarsgård, maybe. We don't know. <laughs> Probably not either of those. I don't I don't know. Winnell's uh, L- 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 movie looks really good so far, though. Yeah. So I'm stoked. Uh, but that is all we have for this week. Next week. We'll be back with a review of John Wick Chapter 3 Dash Parabellum. Parabellum. <laughs> Which one is it? It's a parabellum or parabellum? I think it's parabellum. Okay. I'm just listening to people mock it then. Oh, Sorry. Probably. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're both big John Wick fans. The biggest. If, who, I mean, really, who isn't a John Wick fan? It's the first movie recommendation that you made to me that I listened to and loved. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. Uh, are there any other ones that were the earlier ones that I recommended that you didn't love? <laughs> there was the, no, there was the first that I listened to. Like it was like, watch this. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll watch this. And then this is, I'm like, John Wick. Thank you. John Wick. You lent it to me. That's what Did it I? was. Yes. Interesting. It's the, one of the, yes, it's the first movie you lent that I watched. Okay. 
Well, yes, John Wick Chapter 3 coming out in theaters this weekend. Uh, go see it. It's going to be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I already know it. Uh, just because how could, how could it not be? Yeah, Jason, John Wick on a horse with a samurai sword going against samurai on motorcycles? Come and, on. And Jason Mamzukis is in there with a line. Of course. Or a role. TikTok man. You're right. <laughs> so whatever that means. It's got to be great. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, John Wick Chapter 3. The review's already out for it. Uh, not ours, obviously, but the general reviews, and they're pretty much glowing. So, 96%. Uh, uh, cannot wait to see John Wick kill a bunch of people uh, <laughs> with various objects. I think he kills somebody with a book at one point in the trailer. So, I mean, this movie's just going to be insane. Uh, we'll also be back this week with a big question, uh, sticking with the Detective Pikachu angle of, uh, is there actually a video game movie curse? That's our big question. We're going to dive into the history of video game movie adaptations and figure out whether or not there's a curse. If there is, what's the problem with them? And if, uh, you know, the video game movies uh, can ever become something great <laughs> as a movie uh, genre but in the meantime be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by trans outfits film and you can follow me personally on twitter at movie cooper and you can get at me josh at just joshua ryan and if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe share retweet and more plus hit our iTunes, give us a five star review with comments so that's why you enjoy listening to the show thanks again for tuning in to the film film podcast josh he killed three men with a freaking pencil and on that note be sure to turn next week for our future episodes <laughs>